So Addison and Steve were at our house when that uh, fateful uh, wasp attack occurred. And I pulled my car in and I thought, why is that stroller out? Because that stroller basically costs the same amount of our first house. <laughs> why are you leaving that out? That's uncharacteristic of her. So I thought, I looked over at it and I, I, I looked, and then all of a sudden I saw this, sure enough, this demon-possessed creature on the cup holder of the arm of this thing. And so I bowed up on it, and yea, verily, I found a piece of uh, firewood up on the wood pile and smashed that thing. And, you know, you tread upon serpents and scorpions and wasps that mess with your little grandbaby, right? And uh, so the father took care of it. And the father, the heavenly father, has taken care of more things than we could ever itemize. And we have testimonies. How many of you say, I've had God intervene and answer prayer and help me out many, many times. But did you know I'm convinced the majority and lion's share of the testimonies we have, we don't even know about? And that, that the angels are out there doing their work and protecting us and helping us. And God's been so good to us. And he's prompted other people to pray for us when we've gotten lethargic and all this kind of stuff. And he's so faithful. I said he's so faithful. And uh, he watches over his word to perform it. And uh, in fact, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. And I am going to share with you uh, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And... Uh, this is kind of uncharacteristic of our times right now. Our times, uh, people are concerned about Dow Jones. They're concerned about the societal kind of pressures that have kind of been uh, accentuated. But listen, we lift up our eyes and we look to the one where our help comes from. And uh, Isaiah 55, he says this. He says in verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread for food, bread for the eater. So will my word be, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now I immediately think about Psalm 107 verse 20. Psalm 107, verse 20, talks about uh, troubles and challenges and even self-inflicted misery uh, uh, and, and sickness trying to alight upon people. But yet, the writer of the psalm says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So his word that he sent, he sent his word. He sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save sinners. Here we are, you know, Thousands strong in this local church and uh, with a destiny, with a purpose. God has a plan for each one of us. None of us are isolated. None of us are being ignored. He cares about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And it says this, and, and, and this is what ancient Israel learned from the prophet Isaiah and so much more for us in the New Testament. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will grow up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord 
for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. Jesus certifiably makes all things new. In the Old Testament, Isaiah also prophesied that he makes a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A wilderness is a bewildering place. That's the root word for bewilderment, wilderness. It's where you you be in the wilderness. And he'll make a roadway where you feel bewildered. He'll give wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and doesn't hold back. Wisdom in our marriages, wisdom in our finances, wisdom on the job, wisdom in our spiritual life. I love this. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. The holistic provision of God is not to be ignored or minimized or trivialized. He is uh, the bread of life, and he spiritually has changed the potential position of humanity. Recently, some of our famous pop stars have died, and, and sadly, one of them made a point in some of their last social media posts that heaven is overrated. I don't think so. What is a profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'm telling you, we should not underestimate the provision of heaven and the reality of eternal life and heaven and hell. The the, the consequences to ignore that would be very grim. But also the consequences of ignoring the reality that he makes a roadway in the wilderness and that he brought forth his chosen with joy and with gladness. And there was not one feeble among their tribe. Hey, in the Old Testament... He had their uh, 40 years in the wilderness and their shoes didn't wear out. I've never had a pair of shoes last 40 years. And, uh, but yet God can make you durable. God can make you indefatigable. God can straighten things out and work things out. Here's a the young family, a husband and wife, believe in God for their three-year-old son to live and not die. And I stand with them on that. And they're here. There's buoyancy on them. They're concerned and practical parents, but they're full of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've come through some things, and it took something for you to get here. And it's the grace of God. In fact, I believe we should give credit to the fact that he, you will go out with joy. Paul said, I finished my course with joy. And uh, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Uh, while I was on our family vacation, I, I, I got a, a word about the future and a sense about the, the, some of the things that are to be critical for us in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the going forward. I loved how Chelsea came and preached, not uh, vision casting and not you know, uh, goal setting, which she's very apt to do and very good at, and very, it's very biblical that. She said, though, we got to get some unforgiveness out of the way. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor be put away from you. That's what I appreciate about communion. We're forced to receive communion in, an un, in, in a worthy manner and test ourselves, examine ourselves, and, and there's a re- responsibility to forgive if we have anything against anyone, Right? Because that atmosphere then uh, creates in the church the, the kind of cohesion that it's going to take to go forward into the new levels. But we will go out with joy. We will be led forth with peace. While I was on my vacation with 15 people in the house and, and herding cats, I got lo- we're going in love, peace, and faith. Say that. Love, peace, and faith. Simple. We already know this. But let me tell you, 
1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Everything we're to do, we got to do it in love. We got to check it. Am I doing this in love? We're supposed to speak the truth. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that we're supposed to speak the truth in love, where we're trying to lift and edify, pursue, lift up and encouragement rather than tearing people down, right? Even, quote, constructive criticism. It, it, there's there's got to be love. There's got to be value. Love is value. Love's not just a desire and I just I get excited about these things or that thing. It, it's, it's value. I value souls. I value my nation. I value my season I'm in. I value my time. I value the church. I value this church. I value my family. I value my wife. I know that God values me, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, so I, I'm not going to get in self-loathing and self-pity, nor am I going to get prideful and get egotistical. I'm going to just practically hold to this, realizing, God, you love me, and I'm going to love others like you love me, and I'm going to walk in peace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 in the Amplified says to let the peace of Christ rule as the umpire in your heart. And... Uh, so God wants us to uh, follow the ways of peace. It seems that the Holy Spirit will alert us and, and even put a flashing yellow or red light on something if he doesn't want us to do it, uh, but he'll also put out a flashing green light. And I sense a flashing green light in the area. Do I have a peace about it? Do I have a peace about this? Let's, let's seek God about this. And Do I get... Uh, check in my spirit. I've been talking on Sundays about being led by the spirit. Those who are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And God leads us in the ways of peace. He'll show us, uh, do I have a peace about that? Uh, I've been invited to things and I've been asked to do things. And if I, if I don't have a peace about it, I'm going to pray about it a little bit. And in case God doesn't want me to do it, I'm just not going to commit to it. Because I'm not going to overcommit and obligate in 2023 I want to follow his course so that I can see going forth in joy, being led forth with peace. I pray peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray those of us who've been antagonized and vexed and maybe anxious, but there's a lot of scripture, be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4 uh, verse, what is it, seven? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How cool is it to have peace instead of being agitated? And, and, right? And don't you want the peace of God to be surrounding you and you carry peace wherever you go, Right? Though that's a byproduct and part and parcel of the Prince of Peace. He'll give us peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And that's serenity. That's security. But then it also says eight things in the eighth verse. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that whatever, whatsoever things are, are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are right, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, if there's whatever's of good repute or good report, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, 
dwell on these things. Ponder these things. Ruminate on these things. There's a personality condition called hyperfocus. And I suppose if you have that and you get it on the Lord, Isaiah 26.3 says, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In Psalm 19, King David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. How many of you watched the news cycle recently? Anybody watch any news? Come on, help me out. Anybody watch any news? It has become certifiably a horror show. Just even in the way it's presented. And um, we are not to be in our civic duties, deniers about what's going on. We don't, we don't do that proverbial bury our heads in the sand, but we are admonished by Paul the Apostle from a Roman prison under a lot of pressure to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentle, forbearing, peaceful, patient, loving, merciful spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are are right, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Ponder these things. Yes, Christians, we're to get our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. What will happen? The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Paul was concerned about the Corinthians. He said, just like the serpent enticed Eve from the simplicity and purity of the gospel of Christ. I just prayed with the parents that their young, smart kids would get back into the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus, not caught up in the complexities of theology, not caught up in all the variables and the what-ifs of life, but just keep it the way it's supposed to be, close to the heart, right? Loving God, right? My goal for 2023 for the church, there are a lot of things. I'm believing God for children's church, for youth, for evangelism, for for global missions again, and reaching out to the world. We're coming through a global pandemic trying to figure out how to help the less fortunate and how to establish God's kingdom in the earth and, and, and Easter and fabulous things through the summer and you know, men's breakfast and ladies' breakfast and all the kind of things God's called us to develop, right? How many of you are starting to target some things? You've got some goals for your, for your, for your, your future. A lot of us kind of are like reserving it because it's like there's so many things going on. Uh, see, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the person that watches the wind won't sow and the person that watches the rain won't reap. So God's actually called us to dwell on whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, if there's any excellence in anything of good report and and worthy of praise, think on these things, think on these things, ponder these things, focus on these things. Pastor Jeff, I know we're supposed to walk in love. I know things should be peaceable. I I, I know we should walk by faith. Why are you telling me again? Because the devil is working to get you diverted off of it And it's my turn for a few minutes to get up with this microphone and urge you forward. And my goal is for your edification so you'll be strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man. 
So your vision will become clear and you'll get your eyes on Jesus. And it won't just be, I have the peace of God that passes understanding. I have the God of peace. He said, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. He says, practice these things. Do these things. Dwell on these things and then take action on these things. And what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. Jesus personally, intimately connected with you, where you're walking in close proximity and fellowship with the Lord. And that's where Paul, Peter and John, they were in the beginnings of the church, and they said, we can tell you haven't been to seminary and you're not that educated, but we can tell you've been with Jesus. There was this Galilean accent even on Peter when he was denying Jesus at the fire. And you've got a mark on you. You've got the family likeness on you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord Jesus has, is the firstborn of many brethren. And as you have experienced a new birth, now you have been born into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And as we discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, we're going to be engaged and prepared for every good work, we're his workmanship, your work of art. Uh, I, I've been to art museums, and there are sections where beauty of the Dutch uh, painters like Rembrandt, just amazing. There's a painting uh, in, in, uh, in, in Florence of, of velvet, and it looks like it's velvet. It's not like a velvet Elvis. It's like, it looked, but he painted, he painted velvet on this, and it's like, look at it, and, it, and it, it looks just like velvet, and he painted such beautiful, and, and, it's, and it's such realistic, and so the lighting, you know, they didn't have electricity, so he had to use candlelight and things like that, and it ends up being amazing. And then there's Picasso, who has some beautiful girl be a model, and he puts both, eye, one, both eyes on one side of her face and gives her a horse's mouth that makes her famous forever. Puts her name on it. It's like, so either way, they're both works of art, right? So in the kingdom, we're all works of art. Even if you have eyes on one side of your head, right? Right? Or you're a Rembrandt. Look at somebody and say, you're a Rembrandt. Right? Some Picassos go for more than Rembrandt, so you just need to be happy with who you are. Everybody say love. love. Peace. Peace. Faith. He says, you will go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. Holly led us in the song. There's no mountain too high. There's no valley too low. I think a week or two ago, Lisa, I mean, it sounds like, a, I think, a supreme song. But, but Lisa shared it in a way during a, one of the worship sets she led in uh, uh, about just the mountains and valleys. And and. God knows how to deal with the looming obstacles. We're trying to deal with some things that have hindered us and we're overcoming. We know we will overcome because we are told in a number of scriptures to speak to our mountains. You know, Jack, Pastor Jack Hayford just died on our vacation a few days ago, 88 years old, mighty man of God, responsible for editing the Spirit-Filled Life Bible that many of you carry in the room here along with Dick Mills and Reinhard Bonnke in that book. It was a, it's a great study book. He was a great pastor. Spirit-filled man in Southern California, providing leadership during the Jesus movement. And he put me in touch with this verse out of Zechariah chapter 4 in one of his great sermons. 
I had never really looked at it. I knew about the, it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I just stopped there. And then you continue, and it says, what are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25, have faith in God. Then he said in verse 23, speak to your mountains. How many of you have ever heard that? And there's some kind of shame that tries to come to challenge that theology. But in the beginning, God created the world with words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And even Abraham in Romans chapter 4, he believed he raises, God raises the dead. And get this, he calls into being that which does not exist. So based on that, my wife and I were praying here for hours yesterday. She went to go run an errand. So I got on my bike and I rode all around the campus decreeing things and speaking things. We, we walked around the building together praying. If two of us agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. And we were decreeing these things. And we were speaking to these mountains. Even Job said, you can decree a thing and it'll come to pass, right? And I'm not glib about it. It's not a magic wand, but it is a biblical reality. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Even our entrance into the kingdom of God has to do with confession. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, it says something breathtaking. You shall be saved. Which one are you going to believe? The pop star on his, on his uh, social media saying heaven is overrated or Jesus saying I go to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled. I'm going with Jesus on this one. And also I want to have days of heaven on earth. And he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How many of you want to grow in grace and conform to the image of Jesus? Because God put that in your heart. God is at work in you, Philippians 2.13, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's retrieving wayward sheep. He's reactivating us where we've gone dull. And there are just a few things I want to bring over to you. And that's all my introduction. How about that? I did pretty good with my introduction. And there are five points I want to bring to you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you can write down these five words because I want to articulate them just really fast. If you can listen fast, I can preach fast. And you came to hear the word. And I'm anointed to preach what I'm preaching right now. Chelsea was anointed to preach a warning for us to get in un- in, out of unforgiveness and l- bitterness and get on track. That was a clean up, get ready for the new year word. And her word actually was because God's opening doors and you don't want to have anything that would hinder you in the opportunities God's setting before you. Right? Who's in agreement with that? So now you're going to go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The looming mountains, the low uh, valleys, they're going to they're be broken by the, by the shouts of joy before you. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. Five things I want to say to you targeting. Strength. God wants us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Ephesians 6, right? Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. King David said, the Lord is the strength of my life. But in Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So it's got to be a joy component in this. Flexibility, strength, flexibility, not stiff. He doesn't want us to be stiff. Doesn't want us to be overly rigid. Wants us to be flexible. Exercise programs have you build strength and stamina. 
but they also have you stay flexible so you're not all muscle-bound. Like That's been my problem. It's hard to comb my hair because I'm so muscle-bound. <laughs> Mo- mobility. God wants us not to be sedentary. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He wants us to be, in him we live and move and have our being. You can't steer a parked car. God wants us to be moving, agile, right? Makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon my high places. We've got to be on the move. Strength, flexibility, mobility. Two more, durability. We just don't wear out. It says of, of the Old Testament saints leaving the bondage and slavery of Egypt and going in through the wilderness into the promised land, that there was not one feeble among their tribe. He, he brought forth his people with joy, his chosen with gladness, and there was not one feeble among their tribe. In the half a century I've served the Lord in this culture of spirit-filled Christianity, I've noticed one of the essential cornerstones is joy. And it, it's given me plenty of time to not be confused with glib superficiality. I'm telling you, I am joyous in the Lord. I'm not always in giddy happiness because happiness is based on what happens. It's circumstantial. So sometimes circumstances are rough. But even in a hard trial, there can be joy. Count it all joy when you encounter trials. Why? Because you know it's going to produce muscle. It's going to produce strength. It's going to produce flexibility, mobility, durability, and longevity. I just talked to a lady who came here just to drop off her tithe between the first and second service. I ran into her in the hallway, so I prayed with her. I said, how old's your mom now? 96. That's, a, that's, that's legal age right there. I just talked to Lisa uh, Bross, uh, Lisa Gaines uh, Bross, and her mom, Charlotte, just passed a few days ago. She was 96. And she's pre- absent from the body, present with the Lord. Hallelujah. You think she has joy? Oh, yes, she does. But she carried it, sitting right over there in the same spot in church, grabbing me and pulling me off my balance and pulling me to herself and giving little tiny little lady from Puerto Rico had supernatural strength. She could just knock me off my feet, pull me right in, and just give me one of those spiritual mom bear hugs. I appreciate that. I'll miss that. But I'm telling you, she's present with the Lord. And so here we are in our remaining days. As our days are, so shall our strength be. He gives power to the faint. They that wait upon the Lord, Isaiah chapter 40, the last five verses, will gain new strength. Are you interested in that? I believe God wants to strengthen us. I watched a video of a a lady in her 70s who went in weakened, um, stiff, not mobile, running out of, you know, getting winded, and they just gave her some simple exercises. And over time, that lady got abs. She, I mean, she showed her six-pack, you know, in a, in a modest way. It was like she went from being saggy and depleted to being strengthened. Can I tell you that in his presence, there's strength. There's strength. There's hope for tomorrow. There's strength for today, Right? He strengthens us with power by his spirit in the inner man. Out of weakness, can you imagine that? We will be made strong. Out of, a, out of a global pandemic, God will bring strength to us, give us directives where some of our patterns and mo- momentums have been altered through just the, the necessity of the times. 
We're fearless. We keep our eyes on Jesus, and we trust him for that strength, for that renewal, right? They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. Just say, they that wait upon the Lord will gain. I like what Addison said. She said, I love coming to church. I'm glad my preacher kids appreciate church, and they're not jaded and cynical and dismissive about it. I work really hard on this. I worked hard not to cram it down their throats. I worked hard on making sure they had their own personal encounter with Jesus, and they weren't just doing it for their mom or me, and and not doing it for peer pressure. In fact, that's what I'm believing God for our whole church body. God is the wanting each and every one of us to understand what Ephesians chapter four verse sixteen says, that it's according to the proper working of each individual part that causes the growth of the body. The building up of itself in love. I'm all about seeing the kingdom advanced, Jesus' name being lifted up. I'm all about seeing believers get strengthened, unbelievers come into conviction and repentance and get saved. I'm believing God for people to get saved, healed, and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Hallelujah. And out of weakness, they were made strong. That's what it says in one of my favorite verses in Hebrews 11. Out of weakness, they were made strong. Boy, we want to see miracle gifts and healings, people raised from the dead. But I'm telling you, out of weakness, they were made strong. Flexibility. In in Psalm 37, 4, a famous verse, familiar to you, delight yourself in the Lord, help me, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Trust also in him, it says in the next portion. Trust also, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. That's powerful, right? Well, the word delight is the Hebrew word anag, and it means to be pliable in his hands like putty. It actually means like a wife with their husband, yielded. Look, men, we're the bride of Christ. We're actually to be yielded to the Lord. If women have to think about themselves as a new man in Christ, then we need to understand, men, we're the bride of Christ. So see, if, if women have to, de- right? You got to deal with some of that stuff. And so we do because we, we, we see it spiritually, right? It, goes, it, it, it goes, transcends these feelings and we see things in a bigger perspective. Strength, flexibility. Flexibility is where um, instead of being able to go to here, you could go to here. Instead of being able to go to here, you could go to here. And, and, and um, why not? Why not stay flexible? Why not be versatile and adaptable for the seasons we're in? Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might save some. In another place, he said, I became all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Doesn't mean we're chameleons and we're under peer pressure and we're trying to adapt to the world and conform to the world. In fact, the Bible tells us not to. But it also tells us in Colossians 4 that we should walk in wisdom toward those that are outside the church. And there's a spiritual finesse with this strength and with this flexibility where we, we lay aside church speak and we lay aside pretentiousness and we, we refuse to walk in self-righteousness. That's not our mission. Our mission is to be carriers of the presence of God and communicate the potential that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to be ready to speak to Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus. I want to be ready to speak to Nicodemus at night. I want to be ready to speak to the woman at the well from, from, from uh, Samaria. I want to be able to be adaptable. 
There are elderly ladies who never imbibed on any alcohol or drugs who up in the future days will be able to help people out of fentanyl addiction and alcoholism. There'll be people that got all caught up in drugs and substance abuse, and God will use you in business. It has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. He'll anoint you, and you'll move in areas you never moved in before. Sure, you get street cred, and, rel- and you relate, and, you can, and God does use that, but he'll also use things that you don't even realize he'll use. He's just looking for people who will yield to him, and he'll strengthen you. He's looking for people who will yield, and that's flexibility. And then he's looking for people who will move with him. In Acts 17, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. He gives life and breath to all, right? One of my favorite verses is John 3, 8. John 3, 8, Jesus tells Nicodemus and all of us, he says, you know, the wind, the wind blows wherever it wishes. The wind, the wind just is an interesting thing. You, you know, you, it, you don't really see it, but you see the effects and it blows where it wishes, and you hear it. Uh, let's go back. You hear it, hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. It's like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? You know, they felt that way with Jesus. It was like, wow. He comes in, and he reveals the, the Garden of Eden potential of relationship and connection, unfiltered, unhindered connection with God and the Holy Spirit having free course in the life of a person. He's revealing that to the church and to us. And I love this verse because it tells us that, like what it says in Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Did you know God, the Holy Spirit, will guide us into all the truth? It's to your advantage that Jesus died and rose again because he sent the Holy Spirit. I love this. And he's, he's our strength. You be strengthened with might and power by his spirit, right? Holy Spirit will strengthen you. The Holy Spirit will help you to be flexible where you're yielding to the Holy Spirit and you're not resistant, not to be stiff-necked, but to be oh, How many of you, you want to be open to the Holy Spirit? He is speaking. And I believe my, God anointed our eldest daughter to preach a ordained minister to preach, Oral Roberts University graduate to preach that we are to forgive. Because on the other side of that are many, many wonderful, amazing things. That's why we need to stay mobile rather than sedentary and trust God. You know, Patsy Caminetti, she was Patsy Bierman. She was raised in Colorado uh, by uh, a pastor. Uh, She was in a church uh, her whole life. We met her when we were all young. We were just freshly married. She was single. We, we became friends with her. My Patsy talked to her and said, hey, let's go out. You want to go out witnessing with us? Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, she was teaching at the Bible school. She was assisting the president of the school on a, uh, you know, like a personal assistant, but, but even beyond that, like a Timothy with Paul. And so she went out witnessing with us. We went to North uh, Tulsa in the rough part of town. And I remember her standing on the street corner, this elegant church kid, talking to the ladies of the evening about Jesus and the, the, the pimp driving up in the car and screaming at her. And I had to kind of not jump too much into it because I didn't want it to get physical, but, I, but we prayed and he didn't touch her, but he didn't like her witnessing to his, uh, his potential uh, earning power. But man, it was anointed. I remember a guy in a, 
a, a big, long car with the windows rolled down. I walked up to him all enthusiastic, and I put my elbow on his window and knelt down just in time to see him counting out a pile of $20 bills. He had a tank top shirt, gigantic muscles. And I told him, sir, Jesus loves you. And I realized I was right in the middle of a thing that I probably shouldn't have been in. It was a drug deal. And he looked at me and he said, I'm I'm hooked on heroin and I can't shake it. And I just remember praying for that guy, burdened for him. Instead of being, you know, offended that I got near him or concerned I was going to grab his money, he instantly humbled himself. He humbled himself. I remember uh, being attuned with the Holy Spirit and telling my, the two patsies, hey, come on, you guys, let's go down the street. Turn left, turn right. I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit like the wind. And I walked up the stairs of this apartment complex, and I walked to the right, not the left, and I walked down, the, and I knocked on this door. And the two patsies were behind me. Remember that? And, and we, we, a person opened the door, said, come on in. So uh, we walked in, and the two patsies came in, and, and we walked into the living room, through the living room into the kitchen. And I remember the dinette set with the red uh, uh, formica top and the chrome metallic edging. I remember the toaster, the two-slot toaster, and the salt and pepper shaker. And I remember the chairs that matched with the uh, vinyl uh, sparkly red covers and the chrome legs. And I remember these two people sitting having a discussion about... God and religion, and I pulled up one of those uh, vinyl chairs, and I sat down with him, and I let, let Wimbledon, I watched him lobby, I mean vault, volley with each other, and then I began, to, and I began to talk to him, and so I interjected, and we talked about Jesus, and the two patsies were standing back there, and they were quietly praying, and then there were other people in the house, and so we had this discussion. I, brought, I told them about Jesus, how to be saved. They, they, were, they had answered the questions they had just been talking about right before. We were able to pray together. And then he said, well, who are you? <laughs> now listen, if I were, I want to be responsible here. That, that, that has happened to me in a rarity over the years. There, there have been other ways and different ways. God's also told me to not do stuff and stay away from things. So we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to just barge into people's houses, right? My brother had a friend from high school, and um, there was a pond up the street from our parents' house, and we both were living in our parents' homes. We were still very young. And I felt led to walk up to the pond, take a ride, and walk into the woods. I walked into the woods, and there were three boys out there smoking pot. So I got down and, and sat down with them. One was sitting on a tree branch. One was sitting over there by the tree trunk, and the other one was standing. I sat down with them. They were passing a joint. I said, no, thank you. And I, I just had a conversation. The guy started talking about God. And, 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 and I, I said, listen, he started talking about God, similar to the thing in uh, the apartment in Oklahoma. So I began to share with him. And I gave him a word. And I said, you might be the guy that will lead all the other people to the Lord. He said, no, I won't. And it was somebody my brother had been witnessing to, sadly, Two weeks later, he died in a car accident. So we don't really know, and uh, the wind doesn't know where it's blowing. But those who are of the Spirit are like the wind. And so Chelsea preaching about forgiveness gets that ball and chain of resentment out of our way so we can be receptive to the the probability of the next steps of our obedience and open doors.